We believe that the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, are the word of God and the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. And so we read it in our own, and we read it together in worship. Turn in your Bibles or your devices to 1 Timothy 1, 15-17. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the one God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And then turn to the next page to 1 Timothy 4, 11-16. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of the scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, for which was given you through teaching, or prophecy, when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Preserve in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. I think uh, those last words that Charlotte just read are, are, are very possibly words that many of you, maybe most of you, have heard sometime or you're familiar with them, where Paul talks to a friend of his. Uh, Timothy was a friend of, of Paul's. He was a brother. They were um, colleagues in a real way. But it wasn't just that. They, it's not like they were totally equals. There was something uh, a bit different, weighted differently in the relationship because Paul was distinctly older than Timothy was. Paul, um, when Paul first got to know Timothy, Timothy was quite a young man. And although it was no... Um, Disrespect to Timothy, Paul had been through a lot more than Timothy had. He'd experienced a lot more. He'd sinned a lot more. He'd seen a lot more. He'd received a lot more. He'd struggled with a lot more. Um, It was just a, a slightly differently weighted relationship. They weren't just buds. They weren't born. They didn't go to the same school, graduate the same year from high school, or step into high school the same year. Um, Paul was like a mentor to Timothy. He oversaw him and he encouraged him. He was a a cheerleader and a coach and a teacher and a guide and a discipler. He was someone who saw Timothy as a person of great potential and he wanted to see Timothy thrive in life, particularly in his work with Christians, young Christians mostly, in the community where he lived. Timothy was a young pastor. You might not even think he was that young if I told you what we think his age was. He was actually probably somewhere in, let's say, his early to mid-30s. Sounds young to me, okay? Doesn't sound so young to you guys in the front row here. But in the culture of the time, (laughs) you had to get gray hair before anybody could possibly simply automatically look up to you or respect you. That's just the way it worked. 
He had to have just a bit of the grizzled Dennis Pitts look to really be able to... Dennis, would you stand up for me for a moment? Okay? <laughs> Dennis was exa- looks exactly the part of the kind of person someone would look up to. Anthony Spaniola. Anthony, come here, buddy. Anthony, guess what? For better or worse, not everybody in first century culture would automatically look up to you if you looked like you do right now. And it's not saying anything except, how old are you? 15. 15. You look like you're 15. That's what they would say. And they'd just say, man, you got a ways to go. Thanks for helping me out. Do you know what Paul said to Timothy? And I think it's something he would say to you students this morning as well. And at some level to all of us, he'd say, don't let people look down on you. And I think there's a lot of people who would rise up to that kind of mentality, that kind of feeling. Any of you ever felt like you've been looked down upon by somebody else? For no good reason? It really annoyed you, it really bugged you. (laughs) It seemed totally unfair. Someone was making judgments about you based on what you looked like or based on one thing you'd just done or one stupid thing you'd said or maybe you hadn't really even done or said anything stupid at all and they still looked down on you and it just felt wrong. And man alive, isn't it good to find a Bible verse that helps you feel with more God-supported energy the way you naturally feel. Don't let someone look down on you. But you know, I, I think in our day and age today, what might be a way of saying don't let other people look down on you is to go right at people and to attack them or something. To put your fists up, so to speak. Don't allow people to look down on you. But I want you to listen to what Paul actually says. Would you put up 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, for a moment on the screen. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example. Hmm. That was Paul's advice to Timothy. And this morning, I want to just take a few moments with you and talk about that word or that idea of an example. So I'm trying to figure out how to do something, and I can't quite get it. I I don't know how to change a tire or hang a picture on a wall or drive a car or play a guitar or use a particular program on a computer. And so I say, show me how. Or I'm trying to figure out the meaning of a part of my faith. I can't quite get it. I I don't understand. And so I say, tell me a story. Give me a comparison of something I've I've known or I've experienced before so that something I already know so I can better understand what I'm trying to learn right now. I'm trying to figure out what it looks like to be a Jesus follower in the 21st century. And so I say, show me how. Give me an example. Help me to understand, what does it look like? Can you show me? Give me an example. When it comes to so many things in life, it it makes all the difference in the world to have more than words and more than ideas, but be able to see what something looks like. Be able to watch it happen. I I think sometimes I can deal with abstract ideas, but, but my brain starts frying pretty quickly. I need you to show me. I need to be able to see it. Can you talk me through it? Can you introduce me to somebody who's done it before? Can you help me watch? Can you point me somewhere where I can 
look at something with my eyes, it makes all the difference in the world to be, to be able to see something, to see an example, to get it and to live it and to grasp it. The dictionary definition of examples go like this. An example, one that serves as a pattern to be imitated or not to be imitated. A good example or a bad example. Or here's another definition. An instance, such as a problem to be solved, serving to illustrate a rule or a precept, or to act as an exercise in the application of a rule. Man, that's a harder definition. Let me read that one again. An instance, serving to illustrate a rule or precept, or to act as an exercise in the application of a rule. It didn't help me to read that a second time, did it? At all. Sometimes an example is just something that illustrates something else. And when we see it, we understand that thing. Or or we grasp something we could never otherwise understand. The second definition, an instance serving to illustrate a rule, is, is what I want you to notice in the first words that Charlotte read from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. Would you put verse 16 up? Verse, chapter 1, verse 16. I'm going to read the passage. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. I want you to see something here. that Paul is telling Timothy that Paul himself is an example for Timothy. And here's the thing. He's an example, not that, that Paul's so great, but that God is so great. One of the things that Timothy had heard a lot about in his life, and one of the things that Timothy had talked to other people about a lot is who God is and what God is actually like. God is, as, as one of our students shared last night in, in one of their personal reflections about their own life and their own faith, talked about how hard it is to really understand God. God is infinite, God is eternal, God is big, God is the ultimate of everything, including all that is good and all that is right and all that is just and all that is beautiful and all that is true and all that is love. It's really difficult to understand God. Beyond that, we can't see God. God is a mystery. But, but Paul and Timothy had been entrusted with words that were true. And a revelation from Jesus Christ about who God is and what God is like. Not entirely, not that we can understand God entirely, but we can understand certain things about him. That God is good, that God is gracious, that God is merciful, that God cares about us even when we're not worth it. That God loves the unlovable in us. He doesn't love the unlovable in us. He loves us when we're unlovable. But Paul said... Timothy, I want you to take a look at my life. And when you think about my whole life, I want you to see how amazingly patient God is. Think about Paul. Paul was, in so many ways, an actually uh, really astounding human being. He was a good guy in a lot of ways earlier in his life. He was devoted. He was all in. If he thought something was right, he was committed to it. Not halfway, but 125%. But the reality was that he had devoted his life to opposing Jesus Christ and to Jesus' people. He drove that. He he worked against Jesus. 
He worked against Jesus' movement. He worked against Jesus' people. He was, he was all in on that cause because he thought it was wrong. He thought he was honoring God. He thought he was protecting his people. He thought he was probably blessing the world in some way, but for sure he was hoping to bless the Jewish people. And his commitment was to, was to do all he could to oppose Jesus Christ and what Jesus was doing in the lives of human beings, but especially the lives of Jewish people. And so he went after him. He went to arrest him, and, and we don't know entirely what else he was committed to doing, or maybe even had done. Did he do more than arrest? Did he trip people up? Was he tough? Was he hard? Was he vicious on people? Was he ever involved in seeing people killed? We have some evidence in the book of Acts that, at least at one level or another, he was. Here's the problem. Paul was wrong. Jesus was God's communication to human beings. Paul was against God and he didn't even realize it. But God on a particular day on a road to Damascus appeared to Paul with a light that blinded him. He wasn't able to see. He wasn't able to discern what was going on. He was totally shocked. He was, everything had changed And his life was totally transformed because suddenly in that moment, God turned him around and said, Saul, if you ever want to know me, you got to know Jesus. And if you ever want to be on my side, you got to be on Jesus' side. If you ever want to bless your own people, you got to help them find my love and my grace in Jesus. And you know what God did? God took a first century Jewish terrorist who's totally opposed to the followers of Jesus, and he made them their most significant leader in the decades that would come. And in the process, this is what happened. Listen again to what Paul writes. For that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. An example for any of you in the front row and any of the rest of us. That you've never met anybody outside the reach of God's patience and God's grace and God's mercy. And the truth is, I know we all know people we've written off. I, I know we all know people who we think aren't worth it or could never believe it, could never trust it, could never get to know God, could never have their lives changed. We're impatient with them. We're, we're done with them. Uh, there's probably some people in this room, honestly, who feel like God's done with you. Because there's some people who are done with you. They've lost their patience with you. You've lost your patience with yourself. Maybe nobody even knows about the fact that you've lost patience with yourself. But Paul is an example of God's amazing patience to change a life, to grab a life, to bless a life, to forgive a life, to use a life for others. In 1918, in Tokyo, Takichi Ichi was hung for murder. He'd been sent to prison more than 20 times. He was as tough as men get. In response to his hatred and violence, on one occasion after attacking a prison guard, he was bound and gagged and hung from the ceiling so that his toes barely reached the ground. Before receiving his death sentence, he received a New Testament sent by two Christian missionaries, a Miss West, a Miss McDonald, trusting that this 
notorious criminal might come to know Christ. And when Tiki was sentenced to death, he accepted that as the fair, impartial judgment of God. And during a visit before he was killed, Miss West directed him to read some words in the New Testament from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, which deals with suffering. And there, Mr. Itchy noted uh, this line. Paul wrote about himself, poor yet making many rich. And he wrote these words, Itchy, before his, his execution. This certainly does not apply to the evil life I led before I repented, but perhaps in the future, someone in the world may hear that the most desperate villain who ever lived repented of his sins and was saved by the power of Christ and so may come to repent also. Then it may be that though I am poor myself, I shall be able to make many rich. Takichi died on the scaffold with great humility. His last words were, My soul purified today returns to the city of God. You know what we all need? We need examples in our lives, good and bad, of situations and stories and lives where we can see God is a God of grace and patience. When you're in life for the long haul and you're on a long run, and that run is your life, you need to grow in patience. But even more than you need patience, you need to know that God has patience. One other thing I want you to see, it's a different kind of example. It's that other definition of an example. That this is something to, to be like. One that serves as a pattern to be imitated or not to be imitated. A good example or a bad example. The Apostle Paul wrote these words in a different letter. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and then 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, I urge you to imitate me. Uh, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. One of the hit songs that was playing on the radio when I started high school was a song called Walk This Way. We're not going to think about the lyrics at all. Uh, I just like the title. That's a good label for what it means to be an example. And that's what Paul wrote to Christians. He wasn't an egotist. He didn't think he was totally right about everything. But here's the thing about Paul. Paul knew in life that he wanted to be close to Jesus. He knew that he wanted to be like Jesus. He knew that he wanted to go where Jesus led. He knew that he wanted to do what Jesus said. He knew that his life, all parts of it, he wanted to be defined by Jesus. And as the years had gone by, although he knew he wasn't perfect, he also knew he no longer was what he once was entirely. And so he took the risk of saying to other people, I want you to look at my life and walk this way because I'm walking his way. You know, when I think what it's like to be a Christian and I think someone says, I want you to be like Jesus, I say, well, I read those stories from a long time ago, but what does it look like now? And it really helps to have someone who's somewhere nearby say, look at me. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. But take a look and walk this way. That's what Paul said. Be like me. And then... 
Paul wrote to, to Timothy and he said, what I want you to do, when you feel like someone's coming on and someone's disrespecting you and someone's putting you down, don't let them look down on you. But set an example. Don't let them look down on you because of your age, but rather help them to look up to you because of the quality of your life. Uh, put that verse back up one more time. Chapter 4, verse 12. I want you to see these words. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Wow, what a calling in life. Set an example in speech, in what I say. Our words are amazingly powerful. And sometimes our words are remembered for a long time. Do you know what? I wish it wasn't true, but I can still remember some of the cutting words that I received all the way back to first grade. I can remember what a teacher said to me that I think I misinterpreted, honestly. I think she probably was a wonderful teacher. But the truth is, she said something one day, and that's all I remember from my first grade teacher. Words are powerful negatively. But I also remember the words that built me up and gave me hope and pointed in a direction and helped me see things in myself that I couldn't see in myself. I couldn't see it, but someone else could see it. I want you to know that you can set an example by the way you speak and the way you use words. In conduct, in what you do and how you live, in the actions you take. One of the most radical things any of us can do is actually to pay attention to the people around us. And maybe in some ways, especially the people we don't always totally like. The people we're not already totally close to. The people who seem to be on the outs or the people who who seem not to be received by everybody else. I heard some reflections in, in a paper yesterday from one of these students about that very thing. About stepping outside of of, of a natural place of comfort and caring for someone and being kind to someone who'd not been kind to her. In love. I don't know. This world thinks about, about love and talks about it, but do you know what? I think the truth is we're starving for love. I think we're starving for love and I think the people nearby us are too. Real thing. And God loves people through his people. In faith and in purity, now we're getting invisible. And I want to remind you, if you are going to set an example in life such that people are going to look up to you, do you know what it takes? It's not just what people can observe or watch or hear, it's what they can't see as well. Because it's not just what you say and what you do and how you hacked out that love, but what actually is going on inside of you in faith and in purity. God wants your heart. Jesus wants to direct your mind and your imagination. And there are lots of things that will take us somewhere else. But hmm, Jesus invites us to a whole different kind of life. When we start high school, when we start college, when we start our first job, 
when we're in the middle of high school, when we're in the middle of college, when we're getting near the end of the last job, when we've just gotten a clean bill of health, or five days ago we just found out we have cancer. Lots of different settings. But in all of those, Jesus says, trust me, follow me, and live in such a way as to set an example for other people. Because the world around you needs examples of how to walk this way like Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you. We thank you for this morning and for these students. We thank you for the power of examples in our own lives. And we pray that you will help us each find examples and be examples so that we can walk close to Jesus that we can become more like him, that our lives will be defined by him, and that the world will draw closer to you because we've been in it. We pray this all in his name. Amen.